You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beat, we have Josh Sisk. Josh runs the show at Pottawatomie Zoo, and they have drafts. And we talk about the drafts, guest etiquette, and a whole lot more. And this episode, like every episode, again, brought to you by Martin Supermarkets. We love Martin's. It's March Madness season. Got Final Four coming up. Get over there, get your food, get your snacks. Enjoy Duke, North Carolina, KU Villanova, the Blue Blood Invitational, and Martin's has the hookup for everything you will need. Enjoy this episode with Josh Sisk. Josh, you have us here at the zoo. Thank you, first of all, for letting us record here. It's yeah, a little absolutely. different than the studio. Yeah, absolutely. No, anytime you guys can get them out to the zoo, I mean, that's a great day, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially, I know there's somebody in here that would agree. Yeah, yeah right. Getting to the zoo. <laughs> I, I want to start off with, so by the time people are listening to this, we'll be a few days out from opening. If I'm not mistaken, last year was a record-breaking year. It right? was. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a little of a mixture, I think, of coming out of COVID and people wanting to get outside. But I think just the changes that are happening at the zoo, um, we, we've gotten some comments lately. I was like, I feel like every time I open a paper, the zoo's in there, or there's a TV commercial about the zoo. Um, we're just, we're really, um, we're really on this kind of hype right now. And it's just, we're seeing people come to the zoo that we've never seen before. People, they said they haven't come to the zoo since they were kids. And yeah, we increased attendance last year, almost 75,000 visitors. So um, it was record breaking. Wow. 75,000 75, visitors. Yeah, so it, it's been pretty humbling and amazing to see. And the zoo is typically going to be open how many months a year? So we uh, so we close usually at the end of October, and okay. then we open in April. Um, we do do Gift of Lights through November and January, and then we do a couple winter days each month just to show kind of a different perspective of the zoo. Um, but So what is that? Um, probably close six, five, six months out of the year. So you're not even talking 75,000 new visitors over the course of a full calendar year. You're no. talking a truncated amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah, spring break alone last year, over 27,000 people came in 11 wow. days so it was uh kind of into days at the zoo we were running there was a, we ran out of water we were like running around the zoo <laughs> trying to <laughs> um and I, I know i came out with my wife once when you you, had, you invited lippert here yes, and a lot yeah. of lippert brought their employees here and it was I, I know the feedback they got on that was phenomenal. I had a great time. But, and again, that was like, make sure everybody has water. Like always, so your hospitality is always at 100%. Is that something you're really intentional about as a staff? Absolutely. Well, because we talk about, you know, it's we are modernizing the zoo. We want to make more natural habitats for the animals and everything. But we are a community service. You know, this is a place of, you know, we are about education and conservation, but we're also a form of entertainment, a place for families to go. And there's nothing more frustrating when you go to something like this. And let's say you can't find parking and then you come in and 
and you know you can't find the restroom and then there's nothing to drink um your experience can um, it's how quickly your experience at a place like that mm -hmm. goes downhill and then you're not focused on the education and conservation right. so then our then our whole mission of what we're working on is going out the window simply because you didn't get that bottle of water so hospitality um customer service all of that's our top priority here because we want everyone to leave just feeling like they had a great experience at the zoo very much like a disney kind yeah, of state absolutely. of mind yeah. yeah it's the same model yep so you touched on it a little bit but for those that are local to the area maybe they haven't been here in five six seven maybe ten years it's a different experience than when they came last time. It is, yeah. You know, I tell the people, we just uh, celebrated our 100-year anniversary last year. We were established here at Pottawatomie Park in 1921. So it's a 100-year-old zoo. And we talk about, you know, even... 30 years ago, zoos were really about coming to see animals, and that's mm -hmm. all it was. It really didn't have the mission of education. A lot of concrete cages, um, a lot of square cages with concrete floors. And to be a modern zoo that's accredited, we've got to get away from that. And so that's when we say the zoo's not what you remember when you're a kid. We're getting away from that. Uh, we're building a new lion habitat right now that'll be completely open top, natural rock work, water features, green grass, um, plenty of space to get up high, move around. Um, yeah, this giraffe habitat's two and a half acres. It's a savanna wow. mixed with uh, zebras and ostriches. There's only one point in the whole exhibit that you're even looking through a fence. Otherwise, you're looking out into the savanna with no barriers between you. Um, so it's just, it's really changing into a modern facility. And what I imagine a lot of hours and effort goes into changing it kind of from the old guard where you mentioned you're looking through, through uh, whether it be bowls or wiring or fencing and cement floors to now being more open. Um, that all goes into the renovation. Is it pretty busy here year round? prepping for the next season? It is, yeah. I mean, right now we've got so many projects in the works. So we just finished up this, where we're working on finishing up giraffes, but we've already, um, we were able to secure a hotel motel tax bond um, for five and a half million dollars. We're already in design right now for a 6,000 square foot concession lodge that's connected to a black bear exhibit. Uh, so the black bears will actually be able to come you, when you're dining in the area the black bears come up to windows inside the, the concession area um, so wow. that you feel like it's all part of the exhibit there's a huge waterfall outside um, and that's all going to break ground this summer so we have not stopped so it, it's it's a little overwhelming but it's what i love um, we've always got two or three projects in the back pocket that we're working on and it does it takes a lot of work so we do a lot of stuff in-house we'll contract out the big projects mm -hmm. but a lot of the things you see like the grounds and the fencing and just these little uh, these little up cha changes we're making we, we do that all in-house with our staff and you mentioned kind of going around just like publicly it's like the zoo is so much better it has this this and this and they're going to come this summer and it's going to be we're not even close to being done like yeah, there's still more <laughs> coming down coming. the line no it still keeps coming and even though we're doing we do it we, we really have a strategic plan on how we uh, fulfill these master plan items so that we don't destroy the um that when you come to the zoo it's not like the whole zoo's under construction or you don't get to see these we truly really try to piece it out to where um you know like this barren concession is going to be in the back area of the zoo it doesn't affect anything it won't affect your experience in the zoo so we try to be really careful how we do that as well so that we can make these changes but still provide you a good experience when you come and some of these questions may be repeats from the last time you were on, but are you a zoo nerd? Like when you go to other cities for travel, are you checking out the zoo? My entire life is the zoo. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been to probably every zoo in the country. Um, my friends probably are tired. I, I actually don't even take my friends to the zoo anymore because I'm that guy that's like, you know, I, I, all my friends are the ones that like to go, hey, hey, and throwing stuff at the end, like trying to get their attention. Yeah. I feel like I'm just scolding everyone and I'm picking Stop up that. trash on their <laughs> pathways and I'm like, 
it's so, sometimes I'm going to a zoo can be a little like I feel like I'm at work, but um, I'm always feeling for my radio um, <laughs> every time I'm walking around. Um, but that's where we get all of our ideas. That's what inspires me. I walk around these zoos and I just see different ideas. I mean, my, if you go through my phone, I probably have thousands and thousands of pictures of zoos because um, I'll see a cool viewing window. I, I could literally go to a zoo and never see an animal and still have a great experience because I'm looking at their <laughs> signage. I'm looking at their bathrooms. Gift I'm shops. looking at their yeah. gift shops. Um, they're climbing some cool climbing structure they built for a cat and i take a picture of it we come back and we rebuild it so almost everything you see in the zoo has been inspired by some visit to a zoo that i've been to or something that i've seen that i want to do so and that and that's what i was getting toward i wanted to know how open and receptive you were to if you see something you like at another zoo bringing it back here um because i i think that's the best way to go about it it is you know and but we're unique you know like you you think about like the lincoln park zoo just opened a 41 million dollar lion exhibit you know that's something that we will never be like 37 million dollars is our entire master plan to change the zoo um so you know every zoo is on a different level when it comes to that but it doesn't mean that we can't do so i you know i yeah we'll never have a 41 million dollar lion exhibit but i get ideas from other zoos that i'll bring back here that we can have a pretty dang nice lion exhibit for a million and a half dollars it'll be modern it'll be beautiful um and it'll it'll work for our zoo here so um yeah that's that and that's where i get those ideas is from taking pieces of other zoos putting it into something that works for us. So we've talked about what the winter looks like for staff. What's it look like for the animals? For the animals, you know, it's amazing. Like this winter went so quickly. Um, it, it can be a little tough. We have an enrichment program um, here at the zoo. It's required even by our USDA and our accreditation that all the animals are to be provided some kind of enrichment. So it could be um, olfactory, meaning smell. It could be sight. It could be something different every day, and it's documented. So we during the wintertime, we really bamp up that enrichment program. Because a lot of these animals will be inside their stalls or their barns for quite a while. So even with the drafts, a lot of people ask, you know, how did they do this winter just being in the barn? We, there's all kinds of uh, puzzle feeders that we give them because they'll manipulate it with their tongue. We're always feeding them brows, so they're stripping the leaves off. Um, they get to run a little bit in their arena. We're mixing up stalls, switching them from area to area. Um, so we have a really rigorous project program um, for keeping them busy. But a lot of the animals are hardier than you think they do. I think people think for winter they just have to be stuck in a barn. It's amazing. I mean, if it's a foot of snow on the ground and it's in the 20s, the rhino will be outside. He'll have access really? to his heated barn, but he'll get to run out. He'll play in the snow. He'll rub his horn in it. He'll run around and zebras can be out in the 20s uh flamingos can even go out in the 20s really? believe it or not as long as they have a heated it's just like us as long as they have a heated place to go um so they do so uh, believe it or not they do pretty well through the winter now whether it be in season or off season for you personally so i mean you're in charge here you have to wear a lot of different hats does it ever get routine or is there enough variety no matter oh, what time of the year there is enough variety it's, okay it's, and that, that's why i love this job so much i mean a, a, an instant yesterday i'm very i love to be hands-on yesterday i was helping move boulders to get this giraffe exhibit done we heard that there was they're raising baby owls in the clinic so i went over there and helped uh feed one of the baby owls we were having a meeting and we were it was out on my shoulder while i was having the meeting um to then it, it's just every day is like a new birth being born or something you know a baby being born or it's just something different all the time and then just with these projects it's just like it's neat to see the projects progressing like they got mm -hmm. so far on lions and now it's time to put start thinking about the rock work out there i was out there this morning helping them i had a meeting um, before you guys with the caging company um, so it's just always something different and exciting. Do owls scare you at all? Um, not they're, really, they're a little no. scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're probably one of the coolest. Really? Uh, yeah, we had baby screech owls hatch out this year, and we're hand raising them, and they're they're pretty dang cool. They're uh, I love owls. Um, <laughs> do. I, I want to talk about the drafts a little bit. Yep, yep. So that's kind of the I, I'd assume that's the big ticket item for this upcoming it is. season. Yep, yep. Um, 
last time you were on, we talked about like the transport to them. So you can go back and listen to that if you want. Now I want to talk about them in the zoo, in the Potawatomi Zoo. Uh, what can guests expect to see with your giraffe exhibit? Um, are they like always out? Like basically give, give us the rundown of the drafts. Yeah. So the drafts, I mean, the one thing people are going to be a little patient this year is it is going to be a draft feeding experience, but like any animal, I mean, if you got a dog, a new cat, um, they have to acclimate to their new mm -hmm. surroundings. So they're doing awesome with the keepers. They're eating out of their hands. They're doing training with them, but they are a little skittish still with public. So we've been opening the visitor center for people to come in and they definitely kind of stick to the other side of the wall and just, um, just kind of like statues watching yeah. people. Um, so it much is, like a new puppy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we can guarantee that when you come to the zoo, you're going to see the giraffes. What we can't guarantee right now is that you're going to be able to feed them. Okay. Um, but as long as, it, but it's all by choice. You know, we don't make the animals do anything they don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll it'll just click one day. The first one will start eating from someone, and then go, oh, this is okay. And then the next one will follow. And then before you know it, everybody will be feeding giraffes. So when this is all up and running the way it should be. Uh, you'll be able to feed the giraffes outside. Um, they'll come up to a feeding deck, um, which I'm going to take you guys out in a little bit and show you, which I'm excited about. Um, but you'll be able to have them come up to the feeding deck, feed them from your hands right there at the feeding deck. If it's cold and they're inside the barn, we'll be the only barn in the region that you can go inside and actually feed them inside really? the barn as well. So That's awesome. um, they'll be able to, and what's cool about that is when you're in the barn, you'll be standing on the feet level of them. So you'll get to see how tall they are as they reach down um, to eat from you. Uh, and then, like I said, we're going to have zebra ostriches mixed with them. So you'll get to see kind of the savanna feel of different animals mixed out with the giraffe. Uh, so, but again, it's, it's going to take a while to get to that point. Right. We know everyone that's coming to the zoo now is going to get to see the giraffes. And we're just going to honestly probably be using the visitors as kind of to help us train the giraffes. Yeah. We'll be giving out probably free lettuce, have visitors stand out there and just start working, try to get them to come up to sure you. Sure, the visitors will be more than happy to help yep, on that yep, front. Yep. Uh, what went into the giraffe enclosure? Like how hands-on are you able to be with that? Are there industry standards for giraffe enclosures? I mean, maybe you took ideas from other zoos. What went into that? You know, everyone does it a little bit differently. I was a giraffe keeper for about seven years. Um, and I kind of make the joke that um, it was about 20 years ago. So um, anytime you're a zookeeper working in a facility, you can find all the issues that's wrong with an area. So as a zookeeper, I'd spend hours cleaning up manure and cleaning the stalls for giraffes. And I'd have a lot of time to think about if I ever get to design my barn, I would have a door here. And why, if, why did, why was this put here? So this you kind so of beautiful stupid. minded this for so years. I, I tell people <laughs> I've had 20 years to design this barn. Um, and, uh, so it, that's, and I love that part of it, the exhibitory design. So this particular project I did design, I worked with a local architect, Arcos design, and, uh, we sit down with a piece of paper. It started on literally me just drawing mm -hmm. it on notebook paper. Um, and it developed into what it was. Um, and uh, there are some standards, you know, we, we make sure they're not on concrete. Um, and that's just through, through experience being in the zoo. I knew I wanted rubber floors. I wanted a communal stall, natural air, natural sunlight. It's always a big thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm proud to say with this exhibit, it was pretty much um, the vision that I had in the beginning. Now, when we get to bears, um, there, there's a little more. I don't really... I'm not the expert on bear containment, so I have I had a consultant from a zoo company help me with that. It might be a little more ornery yeah, too, yeah, trying to get yeah, out. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and then, as far as concession, I have—I mean, I know aesthetically what I want for the concession, but I've never designed a kitchen, right. so I have a consultant that we work with on there. So it's kind of hit or miss, you know. But then lions—it's more of a remodel. I'm completely doing that, um, kind of just based on my vision of what I want, and that's—but that's what I love about this place that's is so that cool. I can do that. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's so cool. Do you, are there any fun facts that we should know about giraffes? Um, you know, I think some of the fun stuff, I, I don't know if it's fun, but interesting things that people don't realize. I think people think because their necks are so long that they must have like a hundred vertebrae that go up their yeah. neck. They actually have the same amount of vertebrae as a human does. They're actually just really, really big. So vertebrae is almost the size of like your head. It's just, they're just same amount, 
just a lot bigger. Um, they st sleep standing up. Um, I've seen ours lay down just a few times. They can go weeks and weeks and weeks without ever laying down. Really? Um, yeah, it's very interesting. And they just kind of sleep in just little snippets. So they may like kind of doze off. It's kind of like a cow. Their eyes will be open. They'll sleep. But it's because it's, I've walked in before and I could tell I startled them. They must have been <laughs> asleep or something. And I woke them up because they'll just be standing there like a statue. Um, they're, they're a very interesting animal. I had a question that I, I asked Jordan earlier that he didn't know the answer to. And I guess I'll ask you. When giraffes, I assume they can get colds or tummy aches like everybody else. Can they vomit? It's a uh, long way to go well, they from do, so, stomach so to So mouth. they are ruminants. So they have chambered stomachs. So they have four stomachs. Okay. So they actually are like a cow. They, they ferment, ferment their food. They actually regurgitate their food and they chew a cud. Um, so I really? guess it could keep going out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one uh, vomit, but, but they technically could. So, yeah, so they actually vomit that food. They'll rechew their cud um, and uh, just like a cow does. Um, are, are there any like fun or specific, um, enrichment activities that a certain animal will enjoy here at Potawatomi Zoo? Um, I'd say the, the most, I'd say the big cats are the easiest to enrich. They love okay. everything. You can just spray perfume on a log and man, they will spend 20 minutes just rubbing. You've seen your cat like rub, <laughs> they will get their so much slobbers on their face, just rubbing on the log because of that perfume. Um, they love that we get, we, there's a company that makes these big boomer balls that are really hard plastic where the cats can't penetrate them with their teeth and they'll run with those balls. They'll throw them across the exhibit. Uh, same with the rhino. The rhino, you give him a ball. We've actually had to I take it out rhinos. of there because he just, he gets dangerous with that thing. He really? will throw that thing across the exhibit. <laughs> and we're like, we're worried that he's going to knock a fence down or like throw it into the houses <laughs> in the neighborhood the way he gets going with it. So, um, but yeah, the, the, it, it's funny how the different animals, but then you have animals like the hoof stock, like kudu and stuff. They're very hard to enrich because they literally just want to eat leaves. And so we just give them yeah. lots of browse and they strip the they're bark. And, yeah. Yeah. You got to be a little careful because some of these animals, their natural instinct is anything new or strange as, as an enemy. And you got to think about in the wild, everything's mm -hmm. out to kill them. Um, so, you know, for like a kudu, you wouldn't want to put a big box in their stall and they come in at night. I mean, you'll never get them in that stall. Cause I'll be like, what in yeah. the world? They don't find it enriching. They find it very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be a little careful with that kind of stuff. Are there any, um, examples of animal intelligence that you've seen in the zoo that have specifically stood out to you? You know what? I, it's, I always tell people, um, intelligence is interesting with animals and that's always, I mean, we're good. Now we're going to get really deep into animal stuff. Cause good, people always, go. people really ask me all the times, like, you know, I just don't know how I feel about animals in these cages, like animals in zoos. And, you know, I'll try to talk about conservation and education. And the one thing I try to tell people about animal intelligence is animals are intelligent. I don't even know if you use the word intelligent or can sense things and have an instinct that far surpasses any human. Like it's amazing. They can sense an earthquake coming. They can just, they can tell just, it, it's amazing what they're able to adapt to just through instinct, something that an innate behavior that no human could ever have. But the one thing they can't do is look in the mirror and recognize themselves as an individual in this world. They say chimps are the only ones that can do that. It's about basically that self being. So we can look in a mirror, you know, you're an individual, you aspire to be something someday, you want to go to college, you want to do the most. An animal, you know, so you, like you put a mirror up to your dog and the dog recognizes, yeah, yeah. He, he thinks it's another dog. Yeah. So we're very bad about humans of looking at an animal in a zoo and, go, and thinking very anthropomorphic and thinking, well, can you imagine if you were, or I, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, the snow leopard, it must be cold. And you know, it doesn't even have any heat. I mean, these snow leopards, 
literally overheat very easily. They live in altitudes that are unbelievable temperatures that you would never believe. We're, we're really bad as humans about putting these human characteristics yep, on animals. Makes sense. So we at zoos feel strongly that when you're providing them adequate space, you're providing them natural behaviors that they would exhibit in the wild, you're providing them the resources that they'd be roaming for or feeding for, we are confident that we're giving them the right care because because of that, because we know that we're providing them those instinctual needs that they would have in the wild. Um, and they're not just sitting in there going, I wonder what the wild's life. And, you know, because yeah. we've, we've had situations where an animal in other zoos that I've worked at would escape. And the first thing they want to do is get back to that enclosure. That's their safety. That's what they really? know. It's not what people, it's, the animals aren't sitting there thinking, I just wonder what it's like to be, you know, it's, they're very bonded with their keepers. And that's why we're trying to be very transparent with what we do. We do these behind the scenes tours. We want people to go into the draft barn because we're, we don't want to hide anything. I think the days of people always going on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. We want the public to be able to speak to the keepers, to learn about these animals, to truly understand animal behavior and how animals work. Um, because you just, you learn so much. It's so easy for us to, I, I walk through the zoo all the time and I'll hear someone say about the lions. Oh, look, it's sad, it's asleep. And I try to explain to people, it's like, you know, lions in the wild, they sleep 20 yeah. hours a day, just like your house cat. I guarantee yeah. you could go home right now, your house cat's asleep. So we could put this lion in 20 acres and it's still going to sleep 20 hours a day, whether yeah. it's, you know, so, but that's very hard. You know, it's very hard for, and it's hard to come off without being preachy. I guess. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know? And so again, I know we kind of got off your intelligence, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, it's kind of like their intelligence is on a level that we can't, like I said, when it comes to natural instinct, but on like the intelligence of a human of like, what's two plus two. And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very different, you know, giraffes for one, it's funny as I love giraffes more than anything, but I have to say they are probably one of the least smart <laughs> on earth. We make jokes about it. Like if they, they will forget where the door is and they are trying to, it's like every day is a new day. It's, it's, you know, and I love them to death, but any keeper that with giraffes will say that, that it's just, it's, it's you. So you have to be very careful with them. You have to, it's all about, that's why it was so important to get the giraffes before winter. We wanted them to be in the barn, to really feel safe in there, to really, it took some time for them to really acclimate to that because new things are just, um, they're predators are scary. Um, it takes a lot to acclimate them into that. And you mentioned, um, at some point, I assume at zoos across the country, escapes happen. Have there ever been? Has there ever been a scare here? Knock on wood. We've. I mean, we've had our incidents here. Um, the zoos. People don't realize we actually have a whole training process for animal escapes, um, and we call it code red. Code. So there's protocol if, if this happens. You're yeah, there's a go. code red, there's a code or, uh, yellow, and there's a code green. So code red animals are our tigers, our lions, our leopards, basically any animal that um, Can do some could, damage. Could, would kill yeah. someone. Um, you know, unfortunately, because of that situation, public safety, you know, we, we put a ton of protocols in place so that something like that won't happen. Double locks, keepers are trained, not even a brand new keeper is not put on a code red animal. They, it takes a lot of training oh, to really? get to that point. Okay. Um, but if heaven forbid that should ever happen, we do have um, a shoot team in the zoo. We have rifles. Um, we have a dart box that's all ready from the vet. You know, it's always our goal to safely be able to anesthetize the animal. Mm -hmm. But some, unfortunately, with those code red animals, if a human life was at risk, we would have to, you know, it's, it's something that none of us would ever dream of wanting to do. or We hope that day would never come. Um, but it's important for public safety that we have all that right. in place. A code yellow is a lot of the animals like our talkin, our rhino. They could be a code red and they could, but for the most part, if we could get people into buildings right. and the zoos enclosed, we could probably get them back into an enclosure, but we just got to take some extra precautions. Probably more so. I have to yeah. keep people from wanting to pet the rhino. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but then our code greens, and we've had a few code greens here at the zoo. Those are like a kangaroo jumps the fence or 
you know, we've, we had a Do monkey. birds even get a color? They're, they're code green. Okay. So anything that <laughs> anything that's a non, we wouldn't have to close the zoo down. Um, yeah, at one time we had a red panda that got out and it was just up in a tree. And I think that was we the just, exact example you put. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're not worried that it's going to come down and attack people. We just had people kind of watch it and continued the day. And we put some food down at the bottom of the tree and we were able to get it in. So Actually, we call it, so code greens are, it's a call that will go on a radio. We know it's that we need some help, but it's not a you know, a safe, but when a code red is called, that's why we call it a code red. Everyone in the zoo is trained. We do drills in the zoo for it. Um, it means you get all public into safe buildings. It doesn't matter if it's concession restrooms, but it's to basically clear the zoo ASAP, lock the gate, get the gate shut at the front to try to contain the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the shoot team's deployed. That's when the vets, uh, deployed with her dart gun. So we do, it's, it's, it's a very important part of our, um, um, accreditation even right. is that we have these protocols in place. So I want to talk a little bit guest experience and more so for the people listening, how they can be the best possible guest. Um, you, you mentioned that the zookeepers are obviously very personal, like to ask questions. I imagine also they want to do their job. Yeah. Um, is it in good taste or not to ask a zookeeper like, Hey, a question about this. Animal? Oh, it's all, it's good taste. Okay. The, the zookeepers, okay. they love it. If they, will be very quiet the minute you start they start talking about their animals it's just like if you talk about someone if someone asks about your dog you know how many times that you bring out oh look at my dog and, yeah. da, 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 and half the people don't care they're like okay whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the keepers love to talk about their animals um that's the great thing about a zoo is pe- and being a nonprofit and mission driven is the keepers that we hire we bring keepers across the country here um we have keepers here from florida um california uh they love what they do they're all about the mission and one of the missions is education and they love the share that information um, I was so happy at this last winter day we had because I didn't even ask them to do this I was walking around the zoo and there was at least three or four keepers in their exhibits just talking to public uh, mm-hmm. someone brought out the baby owls so someone could see them all stuff that they're not asked to do they just they love doing it and they love sharing with the public so are there any irritating behaviors that guests should that maybe is a little bit more common than you'd like that they should probably avoid <laughs> we, t- we try to teach everyone that um, the uh, even though you've heard it 20,000 times, it's the first time that they think they're asking it. Um, I, I always laugh at this one because this is totally something my dad would do. But anytime we're in the exhibit, we get, what kind of animal are you? And they just, people think they are the funniest things when they say that. <laughs> they laugh at themselves and we smile and we go, oh. they don't realize literally 30 people have just said it before you. Um, so you try to like go, oh. so just remember that when you try to be funny to a zookeeper, Probably 40 other people have already said that exact same thing. Eyes before rolling you out of their head. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. That's, but that's one of those. That noise makes us laugh because okay. it's like we, if we had a quarter for every time we heard, what kind of animal are you? Um, but when the people say it, they always think they're the first one that ever said it. And they just think it's the funniest thing and they laugh. And um, No, we have a great, but we have a great uh, crowd. You know, it, I think we had a tough year last year. I think all businesses did. Um, the tension was a little higher from just customer service. I think the ones that get it the most are probably our frontline staff, our admissions and concessions. Like I said, 98% of our visitors love the zoo and they're great. It amazes me sometimes as humans how we talk to each other. Um, some of the confrontations I have to deal with at the front with people and just the rudeness. And um, But I think that's with any business you have. Yeah. It, it kind of blows my mind sometimes. Do you personally have to deal with I any do. of the I, I, I get involved because yeah. we... I mean, we hire a lot of our frontline staff are being from the ages of 16 to 21. And I tell them all the time that nobody deserves to be cussed at or mm-hmm. to be treated 
um, badly, you know, and it, it could be as simple as just because we have to see your ID as a member. Um, and that's important because we have so many people that take advantage of the membership. If we don't show your ID, how do we know that that's really you? Right. It's, it's amazing how sometimes someone will spin and just like lose their mind over that. Um, and it's not the 16 year old's fault. That's the membership. Doing so I just tell them, yeah. you know what, don't fight the fight. Just call me. Um, and I hate to even bring that up. It just, we saw a lot of it. We actually had to post signs around the zoo last year, a little bit that said, you know, especially remember that the whole world's understaffed. Yeah let's be nice to the people that showed up. Yeah. Let's be patient. Um, it's helped me as a, just a human when I'm out at other businesses, when I get frustrated at a restaurant or anything like that, it's, it's, it's had me take a breath and just like, just remember this could be the zoo. And that's good on and- you for being the one to personally, like you are there to help out. I mean, that, that's got to, uh, it's got to make the employees feel pretty good. Yeah, well, they just we wanted, you know, we just want to make sure no one deserves that. You know, we we'd love to pay more than we do for some of our seasonal staff and everything. And the last thing they need right. is verbal abuse. Yeah. Um, so again, I hate even bringing that up, but it, we did see a rise in that big time last year. But I also talked to a lot of colleagues, and uh, I think a lot of people dealt with that in other businesses and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like I think everyone's a little bit on edge. <laughs> um, but yeah. we're, like I said, that we had two hundred seventy-five thousand visitors. I'd say that unfortunately, those five or six that 99.9 we're good to go we're good to go they love the zoo they're awesome to work with they understand the way we operate and it's been great so So I have a few more questions here let's do um, one species that flies under the radar but is low-key pretty cool I imagine when Jordan was getting this question together he was thinking the okapi I was (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny they they call the okapi the director's animal because um, it's just because the director wants them you have okapi no matter how much you try to share it with everyone just like you don't understand how rare it is that the Potawatomi Zoo have okapi Um, we're one of probably one of the smallest zoos in the country to even have them Um, uh, Tampa right is the one I was just yeah, at Tampa Zoo, yeah. and they had one, and I was like, oh, they actually The closest to us is Brookfield Zoo. They have them. Um, they have quite a few, actually. Um, but it was a very, I mean, used to to have what an What makes o- them difficult to get? Well, so first of all, they're very endangered. There's okay. not little known about them because they're from the Congo of Africa, so we don't even know how many are left. Um, it used to be kind of similar to the red to the uh, giant panda mm-hmm. program. It was to even have one, you had to pay $75,000 a year to the conservation work in the wild wow. to get them. So as important as that is, a zoo our size, I mean, that's pretty pricey. We couldn't pay $75,000. Yeah. So you, they were only the big zoos that had them. Well, the breeding programs in accredited zoos have been so good that there's actually a need for homes for some of these males. So we were able to work it out with these males uh, to be able to get two boys. Um, we do uh, send some money to the conservation work happening in the field for concert for Okapi. It's not close to seventy five thousand, <laughs> but it's still a contribution. Um, so there was that. Um, so there was that um, financial. Um, again, though, as an accredited zoo, we don't buy or sell any of the animals. That that seventy five thousand dollars wasn't the purchase of the animal. It was just part about being part of that program. Mm-hmm. It was helping. If you're going to have these animals and you're going to have them at your zoo, you need to be supporting the conservation work in the wild, which is understandable. Um, but the other thing is just like I said, so little is known about them, and they just don't have that wow. Like, so they're an investment to get, and. They're not like a giant panda or a koala that you say we're getting a koala. I mean, you're going to have thousands of people out your door just waiting to get into the zoo to see a a koala. Giraffes was a big ticket like that. Everyone knows what a giraffe's. People aren't flocking to the zoo to see Okapi. Once they see them and they meet them, they're like, oh, this is really cool. And if you're a zoo person, um, you know how cool this is that you got to see an Okapi. 
But a lot of people, I just hear most people that walk by go, oh, I didn't even know that animal existed. So they're just a hard one. They're a hard one for people to recognize for some reason. And what other, moving forward, so the drafts with big ticket item this year, you mentioned some others. What are some other new animals that we could be looking for at Pottawatomie Zoo? Um, so let's start with some of the little things that you'll see this year coming in. We have a prehensile tail porcupine that's going to be in the learning center. Okay. Um, they're a really cool species. Uh, we have red river hogs coming in. Um, they are, if you ever get to look one up, they look, kind of look like Star Wars figures. They got like these little flaps of hair at the ends of their ears they're a little like uh they're the coolest little pigs um we've got a female kudu coming in so we're going to be able to be breeding kudu we've got a marabou stork um we've got which is new to the zoo um and th there's always new things we're, we're always sometimes things just pop up um but then i guess the big ticket would be the bear exhibit we've we haven't had bears at the zoo probably for 20 or 30 years and uh, that's a species we haven't uh, that everyone on, that's big time yeah when bears. we talked about surveys uh, with people they always want to see giraffes the three top animals were giraffes bears and elephants we're not okay. a big enough zoo to ever have elephants so we've got giraffes now and now we're gonna have bears so. i have one more species that i'd if what, it's possible wolves you know what, for so that whole North America section over there, wolves was something we talked about um, in the in the in the bigger master plan um, of adding wolves over there. So that's definitely a possibility. Could happen at some point. Yeah, it could. Yeah, that would be awesome. Sooner than you think, actually, it might. It yeah. might. It could be happening in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, so let let's wrap up with. I'm a listener. I haven't been to the zoo in ten years. I remember what Potawatomi Zoo used to be. What is, I mean, you just kind of did a, a 30 minute pitch, but what's your elevator pitch to get them back? You know what? It's honestly is if, if it, if you haven't been here since a zoo and you remember the old zoo, the way it was, it is becoming a modern facility. The standards for accreditation are um, so um, stringent now that we are changing. We're modernizing. We've got the giraffes and really it's about supporting the mission of zoos. You know, I, lo I know in our new generation where there's some hesitation on whether zoos should exist. We are firm believers that a lot of these animals, like our Amur leopards, there's only 60 left in the wild. There's more wow. tigers in captivity in zoos than there are in the wild. There's no natural habitat left. Um, the only way that we're going to foster our future conservationists is to make these connections with wildlife. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for my parents taking me to zoos and inspiring me, getting me to feed the goats, to be able to have these experiences that we're having um and if we don't foster that and get kids away from the technology and the phones i mean who are going to be our future conservationists so i just think it's just it's it's a place that's fun for the family to come um even for young adults if you don't have kids we you know in the evenings we have we serve wine now at the zoo it's a great opportunity to grab a glass of wine walk around the good zoo. food options too yeah good food options look, look at you know, it's bring a date, you know, walk around, have your wine, see, get to see some of the animals. The gardens and grounds are getting better and better every time. Um, it's just you'll, everyone that comes here says, oh, my gosh, I did not know that so much changes have happened here at the zoo. So and it's and for me to add to the sales pitch, it's 10 years ago or even other zoos around the country still where it's if you're not really into animals, maybe you won't have a great time. This zoo is not that situation. You're going to have a great time, even if you're you know so so on animals. My uh, my parents used to live here long ago, and we went to the zoo when I was younger. And then last summer, was able to bring them back, and I mean, just blown away. Well, like, and, this I, and, is and the one thing that we kind of uh, people always ask me, don't you want to expand? Don't you want to expand? I really don't want to expand. You know, when I talk to a lot of parents that say, you know, I went to such and such. Zoo. I won't say names because I love all my zoos around me. <laughs> um, but you know, when you go to some of these bigger zoos, I mean, it's a commitment. And if you're a family of four, I mean, you're talking twenty, thirty dollar tickets to get in. By the time you do all the amenities in there, you're talking about a two hundred dollar day, and 
you yep. can't even get through half the zoo in a day. What's great about Potawatomi is we've got a, a zoo here now that's not only going to be a modern zoo, have all the animals you want to see. You know, yeah, we won't have elephants, but we got giraffes, we got rhino, we got lions, tigers, we got all these animals. Um, our members, it's the best deal. Two visits get you into the zoo. Uh, two visits of a family of four pays for a membership. We have members that come every single week, and they may spend one hour in the zoo. They can just walk in. It's a very ride, walkable zoo, Ride too. the train like, for $3, play on the playground a little bit, see some animals, and leave. It's affordable. It's a nice evening here, and, and, and it's not committing to almost like this almost vacation mentality that you have to spend yeah. all this money and take the family, and it's a big ordeal. Um, it's, it's really just a fun—I mean, you can come every—I literally see the same faces here every single week. Um, they, uh, they come every week to check out the zoo, so— and I, one more quick question did pop up. I know a pet peeve that zoo people back here have that could be a lot, some zoos, again, we won't say names, maybe not the best um, as far as being walkable, like making sense. You have to double back. Yeah. Or here, that's not an issue. It's very nice and tight. Was that very intentional? Yeah, absolutely. And we continue to do that. We're, we're really looking at the pathways. You want to be able to, if you, once you've been to the zoo once, if you start to your right and start working your way around, there's a few places that you kind of have to bottleneck around. But for the most part, you don't even really need a map. If you just stick to the side roads, you can pretty much see the whole zoo. Um, just by making it and yeah that's really intentional to have good awesome. flow through a zoo before we get to plugs anything pop up that want to be asked have there ever been like people that have straight up gotten banned from the zoo um <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> because um, i feel like and again we got this if, if you don't want to but i feel like I, i've like paid and there's like sometimes pictures at zoos like do not let this no we do yeah in. we um we've had instances in the past where we've had individuals jump a barrier um and put themselves in a dangerous situation here? um you hear um <laughs> and uh we live in a crazy world at now at that point i think you kind of have to let nature take its course well it's you, but, <laughs> so here's the problem that zoos are facing. i mean i know we're gonna get off on this whole thing now but, so the problem <laughs> is no longer can places the stupidity of someone <laughs> is now your fault yeah so right. unfortunately there's so many situations someone could climb over a barrier here walk through thorny bushes climb a river stick their arm in with a cat and get their arm bit and the zoo is going to be liable for yeah. that because we should have had higher fences. We should have. It's the world we live in. Like liable and in public opinion or actually liable? It's, well, we could. I mean, there's zoo. I mean, you see these stories. I mean, you look at these other zoos where these incidents where a kid has fallen, you know, and it was um, ultimately due to some kind of error. by. User error. And I'm not trying to. I don't know the situation, so I don't want to say like parent error or something. Right. But zoos are set up that you shouldn't just be able to walk into an exhibit. You have to <laughs> deliberately climb something. <laughs> you have to like you have to do what you're not supposed to do to put yourselves in harm way. And the zoo is usually the one that suffers for it. They're the yeah. one that's all over the news. They're being scrutinized by animal activists. They're, they, this is why we shouldn't have even have animals. They're um, being scrutinized by their fencing. And it's, it's funny because the, the same people that will complain about the safety will also be the same ones going, you got to get away from these cages. You got to exactly. get away from these bars. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like you're building these enclosures, not for the animals, but to keep people out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so we, you have no qualms about banning yeah, somebody so if, if they if, deserve if it. If someone breaches a barrier and puts themselves in harm's way, We'll take a picture of them. We've called the police before, and we'll put it at the front. And we there's been a couple incidences where we've had to ban people from being able to come to the zoo. Love it. So, and we started something this year is that um, we, with customer service, like we said, if someone is verbally abusive and over to the extreme to our staff, um, we are going to implement this year that they can be removed from the zoo and that we'll revoke any memberships. That is because a fair warning to put on this yes, podcast yes, right yes, now because, yes. like I said, it's a very small amount of people, <laughs> but there are some that need to hear. It. Yeah, and we're talking <laughs> extreme. Like I get, yeah. but there's frustrated people. That's okay to express 
frustration. That's part of customer service, but yeah. there's some that's over the top. That's just unacceptable. And our staff don't deserve that. Can you plug away? Give us opening day where people can get tickets, where they can buy memberships. Hit us. Absolutely. So opening day is April 1st. Uh, it's $12 for adults. It's 10, uh, yeah, $12 for adults, $10 for kids. Uh, again, membership is the best deal. Family of four, yeah. twice to the zoo pays for it. Um, you have to, you can go online, check all those uh, packages out. Um, remember, April and May, we'll be closing at five, but this summer, uh, we will be open till eight o'clock. So That's we awesome. started that last year. Um, that we're staying open till eight for the summer months. Um, and yeah, we're just, like I said, come out, see the giraffes, and hopefully by summer, they'll be feeding, and it'll be a great experience. So. And if you have any... Um, questions we'll, we'll archive obviously we're recording nine ten days before we release but we'll archive our stories on at South Bend Beat today to kind of give you a visualization of where you drive up where you park how you come in well all your questions answered so you can come to the zoo and have another record-breaking number it's it's I mean, good. We're off to a good let's start Let's stack two already. on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's very exciting. And we do. Like, again, I just got to thank our community. We have got the biggest, the most community support. It's just been humbling and amazing. So and I can tell you from everyone in South Bend and everyone I've talked to with the zoo, they would thank you as well. It is <laughs> well, <thank> fantastic you. <laughs> what you're doing with the zoo. It's, it's a great experience, and I'm excited to come back multiple times again this summer. Awesome. Love it. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.